0: Worship the God who's bringing it in. Who owns the fresh water? Who owns the sea? Who owns the earth? Worship that God. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you today. It's great to be rallying together and to worship our Savior. Man, we are all about making much of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... That's why we're gathering. That's why we're here. So whether you're here in person or joining us online, man, may we make much of Jesus Christ. May he truly get all the praise. Hey, we're in a series here. It's called the Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. And we're walking through Revelation chapters 4 through 19. Revelation 4 through 19, and we're in the middle of the book of Revelation here, and there's some detail about what's going to come in those final seven years, and then Christ comes, right? And so there's some detail about how God's going to be rolling things out, and how he's going to allow things to go, so that he can walk it through to Christ coming, and Christ being King of kings and Lord of lords forever. And so we're looking at this from a moment of worship, not worry. Everybody say for worship, right? For worship, not for worry. That's our goal as we walk through this. That said, as we've looked over the last couple of weeks we've been in uh, the seals and the trumpets. And if you remember what that is, in those final seven years to come, Christ ends up taking the scroll in the Father's hand. A scroll that's got the plan of how it's going to be rolling out the wrath of God and the plan of God and the mercy of God, calling people to salvation. And in the midst of it, it's sealed with the seven seals. So the first thing Christ does is He opens each of the seals. When He goes to open those seals, each one kind of on leashes we'll just call it like a preparatory wrath down into the earth, getting them aware, this is who the God of the universe is, this is who's in charge. And as uh, basically as Jesus is popping each of those seals, he's getting ready to open the scroll. When the seventh seal opens, then he goes to opening the scroll and reading what's inside. That's the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, is really the recorded plan of God inside, right? And so we've already gone through the seals and the trumpets timeline-wise, Like the seals is, think of it like the first half of the seven years, and the trumpets is largely probably the second half of the seven years, and uh, you know, there's some talk about that, but think of it as largely covering the whole of it. God's like, okay, I've showed you the seals and the trumpets, let's go back now and let me show you what's going on through the seven years from Satan's side. Remember, this is called the thunderous seven, so it's God's handiwork all over the place, right? Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, and so on. And the copycat. And uh, Satan is just a lame copycat. He's like, well, I want to be like the most high. And so he's giving his shot at it. It's a lame copycat at best. Everybody say lame. Lame. And uh, we're going to be taking a look today at Satan's copycat attempt throughout the seven years, all right? That's a big part of where we're going. That said, as we dive into this, just a little refresher reminder. Remember, we're going for a plain sense read here. As we walk through the book of Revelation, just uh, if the plain sense makes sense, right? Don't look for any other sense, right? So we're just going with a plain sense read. By the way, that's how we read all of Scripture. It's the exact same way, so we're not changing anything by entering this book. It's the same approach the whole way through. If the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. If you're reading it and it looks to be a, just a very obvious thing, then that's what it is. And if it's something that you don't know, don't understand, it's not something you're aware of in any way, it's possible maybe that's a symbol. Just so you know, in Revelation, almost every symbol is then defined in some way. And we're going to run into one of those today. We're going to see the beautiful beast coming up out of the sea with seven heads ten horns like what do you know that has seven heads and ten horns Yeah, me neither, right? And so probably a symbol. In fact, actually what we're going to find when you get four chapters later, Revelation 17, God starts defining those symbols and what they mean. He's like, the seven heads, well, those represent kings and kingdoms. The horns, those represent leaders. And he starts telling the meaning behind it. So it's going to be a big symbol that we see today. And then just a lot of plain sense read that goes along with it, all right? So if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense, and that includes when it's a symbol, it's a symbol, right? And all of God's people said, all right, so that's where we're headed, excited to be getting there for worship, not for worry. That's our battle cry. So if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 12, that'd be great. We're just going to be skidding through Revelation 12 pretty fast to get a running start and jump. Most of our time is going to be spent in Revelation 13 today. Um, we will be spending more time in Revelation 12 in the class. So if you want to take that class with us, like Pastor Steve said, we've got well over 800 signed up. I think five, 600, they're going to be showing up in person and another couple hundred on demand. And so praise God for that. Excited for it. Um, we'll be covering chapter 12 in the class in a lot more detail and making sure we understand some of the symbols and all that in it. All right? So that said, as we dive in here, uh, we're just going to jump to verse 9 as we start out. Well, I'll say this. Point number one, recognize that Satan will interact in this world as he strives to be like the Most High. Recognize that that Satan will interact in this world as he strives to be like the Most High. Satan's battle cry, I will be like the Most High. And so he's going to be displaying that all throughout, and we're going to see those copycat elements here. Um, Just to get a little bit of an understanding and a running start, in verse 9 of chapter 12, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down. Dragon, okay. How many of us know of dragons? Dragons. And we're like, okay, I haven't seen anything in real life like that. Maybe this is a symbol, right? And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent um, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Notice a symbol and then the definition. Just let the plain sense read. Let it be obvious as we walk it through, all right? And so we see that Satan is being thrown down, that ancient serpent, devil, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, uh, this is probably not the original throwing down for Satan when there was the original fall uh, way back, because it actually says within a couple more of the verses, it says, the one who is called the accuser of the brothers. So he's already accusing the church. He is attacking. He's entering into the heavens and he's saying, Why are you good with that one, sin? And Jesus standing as advocate. So there's all this accusing of the brothers that's going on at the time that he falls. This is probably a future end of church age into that last seven years or at the start of it, there is a fall there based on some of that description. All right? So we have Satan being kicked out. He's gone after a war with Michael. He falls. He is removed. It ticks him off pretty bad. And here we go. Ready? First one. Copycat wrath. Copycat wrath. Uh, The dragon, Satan, knows God's wrath as he unleashes his own. Copycat wrath. So Satan is going to start doing the, I'm like God the Father. I can have my own wrath. Hey, I've been mistreated here. And he starts to go after a, a kind of a getting even, if you will. Verse 13 in chapter 12, it says, And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, um, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. He pursued the woman. Everybody just say, that's Israel. I know you're taking my word for it. In the class, we're going to work that out a little bit, but that's Israel here. It's a symbol that's used in the woman who is Israel who gave birth to a male child. Everybody just say, that's Jesus. And it is. We'll work that out in the class. But the reality is you have Israel and Jesus being born. And then uh, Satan starting to pursue there. And then after he gets kicked out of heaven, so ticked off, he just starts going after Israel in massive form. Isn't it amazing how when you look across the centuries, you can see nation after nation after nation taking on a hatred of the Jewish people? Dude, I'm just telling you that is demonic at the core. There is a massive hatred of God's people and seeking to attack in the midst. And right here we see Satan described here in his wrath as he goes after Israel looking to attack. Verse 17 describes it a little more. It says, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. And then it describes the offspring to those who uh, keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Like this is the church. So you're starting to see there was an attack of Israel. Now it's becoming an attack on believers as you're seeing kind of move into these final seven years. And uh, I heard something yesterday as I was doing some listening, just a whole different topic, but they said, do you realize that in Isaiah chapter 43, Israel is told, you are my witnesses. And that's the first one that Satan goes after and starts to attack. And then in Acts chapter 1, we actually hear, uh, as God describes the church, and he says, you will be my witnesses as you go out. And now all of a sudden, Satan's attacking the believers in the church. Satan's attacking the witnesses. Satan is trying to tear down the glory of God and bring up his own. The wrath of Satan is rising up. He's like, well, I can be like God the Father and try to bring it, right? Second one, copycat peace copycat peace and uh, the beast is the antichrist who comes in the first seal uh, bringing peace through influence you know that we had talked through the seals if you remember back a couple of weeks and so this is at the front end of the seven years the first seal opens and one who rides a white horse comes in holding a bow no arrow right? And so warrior, but not using his warrior weapons. And an influencer and an auditor, he speaks well. He's an influencer and a smooth talker. And in fact, we see in Daniel chapter 9 that at the beginning of the seven years, it starts with one who creates a covenant with many. There is this forming of a covenant that begins to take place. He begins to pull people together and show them that he knows how to be able to communicate and gather peace for them. And uh, this beast begins to bring in a false peace. Everybody just say false. Dude, it's short-lived. It's not going to last long. And we looked at that as we looked at the seals a couple weeks back. That's another one of his copycats. This is uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. Just a quick touch, just so we remember where we are, right? So copycat wrath. Then he's like, all right, here we go with a copycat piece. I'm just telling you, this is Satan beginning to try to establish his own millennial kingdom. He's like, I'm going to establish and get people to follow after me. And he starts to establish a peace, a covenant with many, an influential and smooth talker along the way. Third, copycat resurrection. Copycat resurrection. The dragon and the beast know of Jesus' death and resurrection, so they try to model the same. And uh, it says here, um, starting now in chapter 13, verse 1, and uh, will be most of the time now in 13, it said, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea. And again, when we see something that we may not understand, then we look more for it to be a symbol, right? And it says, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads, with 10 diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And again, we don't really know of anything like this. This is a symbol, and we actually see it called out as a symbol in Revelation 17, just four chapters later. We're going to learn a lot about those heads in chapter 17, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but it does say, just so you know, those seven heads, they represent uh, different kings and kingdoms over time. In fact, six of those heads are in the past tense from now, from where we are today. Six of them are historical, one still future okay? And uh, this is a huge deal that we understand that the ten horns are rulers that are going to be partnering with that one future head, and you see some description to that that's going to come up today, and then more in Revelation 17, all right? So that's a symbol, and we've got the symbol defined within the passage, and uh, makes it easy to just do a plain sense read, and all of God's people said, right? It's a big deal, right? It says, and the beast that I saw was like... Everybody say like, and so whenever you see the word like, again, it's not that, it's something similar, it's beginning to make you be reminded of. I saw something like a leopard, and its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. So this beast has some parts to it, and it looks like animal parts. And if, in fact, if you know Daniel, and you fall back to the beast that Daniel saw in chapter 7, you actually get the same description. Daniel saw four different beasts. The first beast he saw was a leopard. And it probably best represents Greece back then. Uh, If you look at all the description of it, the leopard actually looks a lot like Greece, acted like Greece, has description of it. It's a great match historically and probably fulfilled then. And then there was another one that he saw, which was uh, the bear. And the bear represented Media Persia. And again, fulfilled back then. Seen and fulfilled, Daniel chapter 7. And so we saw the leopard, the bear, and then the lion. And that last one represented Babylon. And a great match historically to that. Already fulfilled. The ones that Daniel saw, three of them fulfilled. One of them future and so fierce. And it had ten horns, this one future beast. And uh, it's the one head that we see on the beast here. And so notice it says here that this one future beast that we're looking at now takes on those pieces. There's a leopard body. There's a lion's mouth. There's a bear's paw. It's parts of that and going after it. Notice it says that this beast is coming up out of the sea, right? And just so we're clear, the word sea is actually defined In Revelation 17 is another symbol. It says the sea or the many waters is uh, that which represents the tribes, tongues, and nations. It's the Gentiles. And so really it's saying that you've got this uh, kind of this rising up that's going on out of the Gentiles nation. And you're seeing the nations actually described here with the leopard and the bear and the uh, lion and the combinations thereof, right? So we have the beast rising up out of the Gentile nations. The beast is the Antichrist to come, coming out of the Gentiles. There's a deep element of connection to the other kingdoms from the past. So this is in the Gentile element and the connection there, probably some kind of European Roman connection that's gonna go on there. And you see those uh, to be sort of alluded to and fulfilled. Um, That said, let's make sure that we actually take a look at the image. We've got this drawing that we put together and it's in your book, right? And this just puts together a little bit of the understanding there. Notice the leopard's body. It's coming up out of the sea You've got the lion's heads or mouthpiece there, and then you've got actually the bear's paws, and so you see those pieces with it. Notice the ten horns there, and uh, please do note the ten horns are on the one head. There are some drawings that spread those horns out, and for those who love symmetry, it is a more symmetric drawing if they're spread out. But the reality is, you see in Revelation 17 that it says that last head, that future head, and the ten horns work together, and they're going to do some things in the final seven years. So this is a more appropriate drawing to see the ten horns on the one head, and then you see the elements represented in it. This is what John saw coming up out of the sea, all right? And so this beast, this Antichrist, this is the one who is called the man of lawlessness who would take over in the last seven years on the earth. Okay, okay. It says, and to it, the dragon gave the power and his throne and great authority. So the dragon, uh, this is Satan, is now giving him his power. This is satanic influence. This is deep demonic influence. So a man coming up out of the generations, out of the Gentiles, is going to end up having this deep influence and then starts to be demonically influenced. Like, we don't know when that happens. Some will say it's at the beginning of the seven years. Some will say more towards the middle. Wherever it happens, dude, it goes bad. And he is deeply evil and influenced by all that's going on. It says, and to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed, everybody say seemed, seemed "seemed to have a mortal wound. This is really a big deal. It doesn't say it did, it says it seemed, it looked like, this was uh, an appearance of, it seemed to have a mortal wound. Mortal means took its life. So it looks like somehow he got hit in the head and killed him. Like however this beast is leading in these first few years, some people don't like him very much. There's a rising up and somebody takes a blow to the head on him, trying to take him out, right? It's a huge deal to understand that this is an attempt to kill and take him out. And as he gets hit in the head, it looks like he's dead. It looks like he took a mortal blow. It seemed like it. And then it says after it, seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Like all of a sudden, he's better. He seems to be standing up and how can that be? And... It looks like he has actually got the power of life. Like this is a miracle that he's got. Now remember where we're at. You're in the seven years. The seals are raining down one after another. You're seeing harder and harder things taking place. You're seeing wars and famines and pestilence and dark things happening. Then all of a sudden you end up seeing the earthquake and the thundering. and, And in this moment you've got someone who takes a mortal wound, goes down like your leadership isn't working at all. And then all of a sudden he stands back up and he looks fine. And while they've seen 25% of the human population killed, and they've seen nasty pestilence and plague, this one seems to have life and power. And they start trusting in him instead of trusting in the God of the universe who does have life and power. We know the king of the universe the one who is in charge God almighty and he is the author of life and all of God's people said and this is nothing but a copycat a look alike he's like you have your jesus i can have mine this is actually a copycat messiah a copycat jesus in the midst as he tries to make this resurrection look alike and uh, a false messiah if you will and it says and the whole earth marveled As they followed the beast, they're in the middle of all the destruction. They're in the middle of all of it falling apart. He seems to have some kind of life and power will go to him. And they begin to follow in that first half of the year, right probably at the halfway point is most likely where we're at. And we'll see a timing number that tells us that in just a second. It says, and they worshiped the dragon for he had given his authority to the beast And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? They literally are declaring, there's no one like this one. Dude, that is an epic fail. Everybody say, that is wrong. Right? Their understanding is that this is as good as it can get. Nowhere close. They're buying the copycat that Satan is selling. They're claiming a hope. But there is no hope on the backside with him right? So we have the copycat resurrection. Now copycat universal worship. Copycat universal worship. The beast knows of the prophecy that every tribe, tongue, and nation will bow before Jesus, so he strives for the same. The beast knows of the prophecy that every tribe and tongue will bow before Jesus, so he strives for the same. Like they know the scripture that says simply, That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ and His kingdom will go on forever. And He alone is our hope. And every knee will bow. And Satan's like, I can do that kingdom. I can make that myself. I've already got a false Messiah. Let me tell you, I'm now going to call it together and get a full universal worship. And in the midst of it, he now calls out the following... The beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. The beast starts to rise up and call out horrible things against God the Father and God the Son. This is what's coming in the seven years to come. In probably the midpoint, the beast starts getting vicious and violent with his attacks against God, with his standing against truth. He's going to take things that are untrue and twist them so they look true He's going to begin to take the truths that we would call reality and call those a joke. Does this sound familiar, by the way? Are you seeing it even beginning a little bit now, taking the inroad of the things that are obviously right are being mocked and pushed aside. And if you stand with the God of the universe in that, you will be pushed back on. Cancel cultured, if you want to call it. And that's the light stuff. This is way more than cancel culture, right? And we're talking a huge, huge moment as the beast stands up against truth, against God. It says, and it was allowed, everybody say, God's in charge. God's in charge. I agree with you, God's in charge. It was allowed to exercise authority ready for 42 months. Dude, that's pretty specific. 42 months, right? Right? And just so you were to add this up real quick, right? If there's 12 months in a year, right? Three years is 36 months, and then half a year, 42 months. This is three and a half years, right? Three and a half years, half of a seven, That's a big deal. Remember back to Daniel just a couple weeks back when we were looking there, and it said that when this prince to come, the Antichrist, the evil one, he's going to form a covenant with many at the front of the seven. But then it says there will be an abomination of desolation at the midpoint, and he will then step into the temple. A horrible thing is going to happen, the last. Three and a half years, the half of a seven, this exact duration. It's exactly the same match. 42 months, three and a half years. And by the way, just so you know, in Jewish terms, Jewish calendar, they would have 30 days in their month. It was a lunar calendar. And so if you actually did the days on that, 42 months, 30 days per month, it's 1,260 days. And you'll also see that come up in Revelation 12 and Revelation 11. 1,260 days, 42 months, three and a half years, half of a seven. That's pretty specific. Just take the plain sense read and look what God is saying. There's a future seven coming and half of it is going to be an utter train wreck with the leadership and viciousness here. It says that he was haughty, he was horrible, he was attacking, and it would be for 42 months. All right, it goes on here and it says, And the beast opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. God was given him authority. I already say God's in charge. God's in charge, but He's allowing this moment of rising up, and He ends up with world dominance. From the midpoint on, becomes world dominant. One world, everything. World dominance takes over from the beast. And it says, and all who dwell on the earth, remember we talked about dwell on the earth. It means those who are refusing to say, I want heaven as a part of my home. This is my home. I dwell here, right? It's the unsaved. Everybody just say unsaved. Right? For the unsaved. And it says, and all who are unsaved will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Everyone whose name was not, everybody say not, was not written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Like God's in charge, God's got it in hand. Those who are worshiping the beast did not have their name in the book of life. They will not be saved, all right? So for those of you who are worrying like, well, what if somebody accidentally like starts worshiping the beast? And then they're like, this is a bad idea. I got to back out of this, dude. That's not what's happening. You're not talking about somebody who's looking to be saved. Somebody that will be saved. Those whose names are written in the book of life will not worship the beast. Will not. Everybody say not. Not. I can't be clear enough on that. I've heard that misstated so many times along the way, will not, that's a huge deal. And uh, this uh, writing of our names in the book of life, a safety net that we have with our God and him sealing us forever. But notice it says that he's calling these across the world to worship him. This world dominance is now becoming one world religion. This massive call to worship him. He is taking on a role of false messiah. Look at me. I have died and risen. I'm the author of life. And you should trust me and worship me. And it is a lame copycat. Everybody say lame. Lame. I agree with you. Satan is like, look at my kingdom. And it's nothing. We know the God of the universe. And his kingdom will rock forever and all of God's people said, and Satan's like, look at my copycat. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the uh, endurance and faith of the saints. He's like, man, if your name is written in the book of life, if you're coming to salvation and trusting him in those seven years, right, there's a good chance the church will have already been called out by now. But these are ones who have come to trust Christ in the tribulation time. For those who come there, name written in the book of life, they will not falter and take the following of the beast. But man, is it gonna be tough. And he's like, get ready to take your stand with me. Know this, I am your God and I am with you, and you are with me, and it will be tough. That's what he's saying. It may even get to the point of life taken. Hang with me. I am your king, right? This is the call out of God. This is a massive call out. Satan's trying to bring the copycat worship in the moment. All right, next one. Copycat Trinity. Copycat Trinity. The false prophet knows the role of the Holy Spirit, so he plays a similar role along with Satan and the beast. The false prophet knows the role of the Holy Spirit, so he plays a similar role. Copycat Trinity. Here we go. Then I saw another beast. All right, everybody say another. Let's not get confused. It's got the word beast with it, but it's another. The first one was the beast out of the sea, right? This is the beast that comes out of the earth. Now, if the beast out of the sea means the Gentile nations, it is possible that the beast out of the earth would mean not the Gentile. So maybe a Jewish nation element in that. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on what earth means because I have no clue what I'm talking about. Like we'll just take a little bit of a stab at, maybe it's the opposite of the sea and we'll leave it there. Maybe not. Maybe it's something completely other. I'm fine with that. But we see this one as differentiated right and this beast coming out of the earth it says it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon two horns like everybody say like so again we have metaphors going on here similes i will say And we have this one who looks like a lamb, like sacrificial, like providing probably a religious leader of sorts, carrying along the way, bringing some element of care to the life of people they think anyway. That's what it looks like. But at the same time, he speaks like the dragon, cutting, hateful, spiteful against God, will not stand for anything that honors Jesus Christ. This one is evil. But this one looks like maybe he's going to care for you along the way. This one is called the false prophet. We're going to end up seeing that come up in Revelation 19. It says it exercises all of the authority of the first beast in its presence. And it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Literally this second beast starts saying you need to worship him. Now this is at the midpoint of the seven years and on, right? We're in the last half. Everybody say last half. So the midpoint and on. And he's beginning to say during that last 42 months, he's like, you need to worship him. He's the one who's risen. He took a mortal wound and he's risen. He has life in him. Worship him. And starts pointing back to the beast from the sea. It says it performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. There will be some prophecy elements. There may be people of God, they're capable of bringing fire from heaven. And some are awed by that, but this one can mirror it. It's a lot like when Moses was going into Egypt, trying to bring the, the Pharaoh response, and he was bringing some plague elements, and then the people there were like, I can do that. And there was a look-alike to it. You're seeing some of that here. Like he could bring fire from heaven. And people are like, it looks like he's got authority over the heavens. I'm just saying it looks like this one may have some power. And it says, and by the signs that it was allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceived those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Wounded by the sword, there's a nice description of how he took his head wound. By the way, what a great way to say it. Wounded by the sword, yet lived. That's the reality. What will be sold? Mortal head wound, miracle resurrection, life in him. It's all a fake. It's a lame copycat at best. As he tries to take over and say, We have our own Jesus. Look at our Messiah. Look at what's going on here. Notice this one who is pointing over to Jesus Christ and making a big deal out of him. Well, who in the Godhead does that? That's the role of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ and says, look at this one, look at the glory of the Son, look at how He loves you, look at how He's died for you, look at how He has risen for you, the role of our Holy Spirit and the work in our lives as He rocks our world and shapes us. This is nothing but a lame copycat as He tries to be an influencer in that community, in that kingdom, and trying to push people towards worshiping the fake Christ. So the fake Holy Spirit pushing to the fake Christ along the way. This is a massive fake trinity and a a huge deal that we grasp it. It says, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Get good with us or we'll take your life. That's the pressure going on right now. Just so we're super clear, so Satan is trying to role-play God the Father, the beast of the sea, the Antichrist is trying to role-play being Jesus Christ, I'll try to die and rise. We've got this one trying to role-play being the Holy Spirit. They're like, we can have our own trinity. We can have our own hope. And they can't do anything. And all I can say is it's super important that we remember this as we talk. Just remember, last week we were looking at the trumpets and the declaration of the wrath that was coming, right? And as God rules over that trumpet blast that were coming, those seven blasts, were all in the second half of the seven years. And as He's declaring out, I'm in charge of the earth, and one-third of the earth gets scorched. One-third of the sea creatures die. One-third of the fresh living, fresh water dies, and all of that in it. And also, you see the heavens affected. God is making a declaration. I'm in charge. You're not. And in the midst of it, they're trying to draw the attention to themselves. It is a massive battle for worship. Everybody just say worship. Dude, it's all about worship. That's what's going on. All right? And the last one now, copycat Mark. Copycat Mark. The beast knows of the mark of God in Revelation 7. He calls for his own mark. The beast knows the mark of God in Revelation 7, so he calls for his own mark, the copycat mark. Now, most of us have heard of the mark of the beast, right? In fact, if you were to talk about Revelation with anybody, pretty much everybody would be able to say something about the mark of the beast in there somewhere, right? And uh, let's just be really clear on this. The mark of the beast comes up here in Revelation 13. If you go back to Revelation 7, that is when the seals are getting done. And we talked about the 144,000 are called out. It says that God seals them and marks them. He's like, these are my witnesses. And I will seal them and use them for life. They will be with me and worship me. He is sealing and marking his people. So six chapters later, Satan is like, well, I can mark my people. Well, I'll just mark mine. It's nothing but a copycat mark at that point as he marks the forehead and the hand. So here we go. The beast knows the mark, and he follows through. It says it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand and the forehead. Now, some will say, I think this is actually physical. And some would say, maybe this represents more ideological. I'll probably go more with the ideological, and I'll show you why in just a second, practically here with what's going on. But if it's ideological, like my hands are committed to doing what worships you, and my head, my thinking is committed to worshiping you, right? My head and my hands committed, like a mark, there's a taking over of me, and I'm all in for you right? And here's the reason why I say that. Notice what it says after it, this mark on the hand and the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of the name. So everybody would now have the name of the beast or the number. Most people think of it like I have my own social security number on me somehow, or my own visa number. And like, I'm going to carry my own because it's, you know, somehow being able to do business. and But that's not what it says. It says you'd have the name of the beast. It says you would have the number of the beast. You're committed to a worship you're with him, is what it's really saying. I think this is much more a practical, it's an ideological statement of who your worship is with and him having good control of, all right? And let's just be really clear on that. Just like you can't accidentally worship the beast, you're not going to accidentally take the mark, all right? It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be like, oh, man, the Freedom Unlimited credit card is the mark of the beast? I didn't know. Like, that's not happening, okay? We all get that? Like, this is a really big deal that this is a, I'm in, I worship him. I'm with him with all I've got and that's the way it's going down, okay? It says after it, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate. Everybody say calculate. Calculate the number of the beast, where it is the number of man, and the number is 666. So somehow there's a calculation. Many believe it's the letters represent numbers and you do some kind of math with the letters and you can come up with a name that would indicate who it is. And it will take some wisdom to calculate and you may come to it. Just so we're super clear, uh, there's been a lot of people trying to calculate this name. Uh, The last one I heard guessed in our time frame would be Ronald Reagan. That was the last guess I heard. Somehow the math worked out. I think that shows their political bent more than it shows anything else. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I'll just say, let's be careful with that kind of a statement. It does say you can use wisdom. It does say it will work itself out. Probably this will be one of those after the fact where you're like, oh, look at this. It's probably more that, okay? But the reality is, it says calculating it out, the number of man, which is 666. God's number is... Seven, man's number is six, 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 six. This is like it's nothing but man all over it. It's a lame copycat at best. All right? Man, that is what we have going on in the seven years with the beast. We have him rising up making a covenant of peace with many. We have it going on for a little while and then all of a sudden he gets taken down with a head wound. It looks bad. It looks like he's died. He rises up from the dead? Could it be? It's not. It just seems it. But they sell it. As he's risen up, they now get people to start to worship. He's indwelt by Satan somewhere in there and he starts taking over massively, evilly, horribly. He demands a world dominance. One world religion. One world the economy. Everything forms under me. If you don't, I take your life. All of this at the exact same time God is reigning in the trumpets. I own the creation. I own the earth. I own the sea. I own the fresh water. And Satan is trying to underneath say, follow me, follow me, follow me. That's the seven years with Satan and his lame copycat. Everybody say lame. Man, may we read through this for worship, not for worry. May God get all the glory. So let's go to a little worship. Ready? Point number two. Behold the rejoicing in heaven. An angel declares an eternal gospel as he says, fear God and give him glory. Worship him who made heaven and earth. An angel declares an eternal gospel As he says, fear God and give him glory. Worship him who made heaven and earth. We jump into Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7 here. So it's just a little bit forward. It says, then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel. What kind of gospel? Like a gospel that will never be untrue. Forever true. The eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. Everybody say the unsaved right? Proclaiming the gospel, God's mercy here to every nation and tribe and language and people to all the world. Satan is trying to declare to all the world, you worship me. And the angel comes in declaring, you worship this God, the God of the universe. And look what it says. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. Hear me, you will answer to the one who truly owns creation. That's what the angel's saying. And he thunders it out. And then I, I love this statement. It brings me to tears. It says, and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. Do you hear what he's doing? He's rolling out the trumpets for him. Open your eyes. Worship the God who's bringing it in. Who owns the fresh water? Who owns the sea? Who owns the earth? Worship that God. And there are some, small in number but some, that come and worship the king and they never worshiped the beast. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, that's the seven years with the beast and the lame copycat. Man, here's our call. Do you know the real Messiah? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know the king of the universe, the one who is the creator and sustainer of all? Are you saved? Lord God, you have my soul. You're in charge. Please forgive me. I am done fighting. That's saved. And all of God's people said, let's pray.